Well, turn your Bibles or look on your device at Psalm chapter 127. Psalm 127 is going to kind of be our launching point for today in God's Word. This weekend, we're beginning a new series called Raising Kids Who Love the Lord. Now, I just want to say at the outset, it might be tempting for many of us to say, well, this obviously is not for me. I'm too young to worry about kids. Then there's a crowd that might say, I'm too old to think anymore about kids. I'm single. I don't want kids. I don't plan to have kids. That's not part of my life as best I can tell. I want to share with you as we start this series, I share with you almost every weekend. This is the most important message I've ever shared with you before. We don't just do little ditties. We don't do nice little Bible studies. We seek God in His Word. Amen? And today, there are many of us in this church family who are parents right now. And we need God's help. Amen? Some of you are serving as parents, maybe as grandparents, and you didn't expect to be parents. And we need God's help. Some of us are going to be future parents, young people in this room. I know. I remember when old people used to talk about stuff like this. I'd say, I don't care. I don't care. That doesn't have anything to do with my life. But I promise you one day, you're going to look back and thank God that you paid attention. They need to learn. We have many children in our church family, and children need to learn how important God sees them and His plan for them. Most importantly at all, all of us as God's people need to understand that children are super important to God. Children have a special place of importance to God. And since we are a church that wants to be a, put, put a priority on children and our ministry to them, whether we're parents or not, we need to understand what does God say this special plan is heart that he has for children. And the Bible even says that we have a lot to learn from them. God says we must become, in many ways, like them. We need to understand, we are God's kids. As God is teaching us about parents who have kids, he's also teaching us how he is a father to us. Amen? And then finally... We need to learn how to grow from being God's children to growing into responsible, mature adults as followers of Christ. And today we're really going to kind of kick off this series by focusing on that fourth aspect that I mentioned to you. God wants all of us to understand how serious He is about children, how critical children are to the heart of God and to His plan in this world. And that's going to be our focus for today. Children are important to God. As we start this series, I think that one of the most important things we need to say is this. In our world today, we are many times unsure about how we feel about kids. At best, many of us, many people in our world, see children to be a great inconvenience. Maybe parents see children that way. Maybe society, God forbid, even church, sometimes sees children as, a in, as, as an inconvenience. And at the worst, that they're just getting in our way. Well, the Bible shows a very stark contrast to that kind of thinking. The Bible says very clearly, write this down, children are a blessing from God. Children are a blessing, not a curse. Children are a blessing, not a problem. Let's read Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, you could follow along on the screen. It says, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. 
How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. Now, it starts out by saying, behold. Now, I've told you this before, but I just want to remind you that word. When you see behold, or sometimes it's translated low, when you see that word in the Bible, that's saying, take note of this. That's saying, this is something kind of surprising. That's saying, don't miss what you're about to hear. It's almost like an exclamation mark at the beginning of the sentence. Pay attention to what's about to be said. Behold, children, and we might even say to those who struggle with the concept of children, surprisingly to some people, children are a heritage from the Lord. Some translations say that children are an inheritance from God. The one that I'm reading from that we study from on the weekends, the New American Standard Version says, children are a gift from the Lord. I like that idea of inheritance. Children are a gift to sustain me for years to come. Isn't that what an inheritance is? An inheritance is somebody gave you a gift that would be a blessing to you for many years in the future. Now, that doesn't just mean they're my assurance that I'll get taken care of in old age, okay? Now, that that probably is part of it as we look at our biblical responsibility to parents, but I think it means that something about them, when I have children, God has placed someone in my life who is going to continue to bring blessing to my life on into the future. It's almost like when you look at children, you should catch a vision. You should see a vision of the future. Amen? God has given me some blessings that are going to carry on a gift, an inheritance that is going to carry on and bless me on into the future. He says, the fruit of the womb, they are a reward or some kind of payment from God. Now, this does not necessarily mean that if you have kids, you did well and God blessed you. And it does not mean if you don't have kids that you haven't done well and you're not blessed. It's just saying, I think we can hear the sense of it, that in some way, if you have children, God blessed you greatly. In fact, they are like arrows in the hand of a mighty warrior. A warrior shoots an arrow so that it'll make an impact at a distance for him. Do you hear that image? God says our children are like a warrior uses these arrows and he wants to make a larger, a farther impact distant from him. God gave us like a warrior shooting those arrows to make a distant impact. God gave children to many of us. That is what they are for their parents. Parents, your life will be stronger. Something about you will go farther. You will have more impact if you have children. And he kind of implies even many of them. He says, how blessed, how happy is the man, just paraphrasing, who has a lot of them. Whose quiver is full. By the way, I don't know if this is true. But I heard from, from one Bible teacher that five is a quiver full, okay? The Lankfords modified our quiver, and we had four, okay? But apparently five is a quiver full, but it's, it's not meaning to get that specific, like you're godly if you have five kids. It's just saying how blessed is a person who has a bunch of children. In fact, they shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Now, that's kind of hard to translate for us in our culture today. But if you can imagine, an ancient city would have had a wall. It would have been walled for protection, high walls around it, thick walls around it. There was something significant about the gate, right? The gate was the entry point, in some ways the vulnerable point, the most important point in some ways of that city. So when someone talked about uh, being important at the gates of the city or having some experience at the gates of the city, that was a way of saying impact. Or that was a way of saying uh, blessing or, or position. You will be in a good position in life. Okay, that's basically what it's saying. And it actually says not only with your friends, but actually even with your foes. God is going to bless you if you have children in your life. Now that 
your foes aspect could just be talking about many times that's where they had court cases. And so that's what it's saying. God's going to give you favor. There's a blessing. You're going to be strong. You're going to be in a good place even among the attacks of life. He's talking about arrows in war. He's talking about the security of the wall and the importance of the gates. And so again, the general idea is that God is saying children are a what? A blessing. Genesis 1, verses 27 and 28 say this. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That's code for have a bunch of kids. (laughs) Right? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The Bible says this was God's blessing to them, to us as human beings. That God created Adam and Eve, our our, our father and our mother, that that we originated from here on this earth from a human point of view. And God said, I want to bless you. I'm going to bless you by you having children and them having children and them having children and you filling the earth and subduing it. And you're going to rule over you and your children are going to rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Children are a gift. They make us stronger. They add to our lives. They not, the idea in God's word is not that they take away from our lives, but that they bless our lives. When we read God's Word, which is what we want to influence our thinking, right? No matter what I think, no matter how I feel, I need to read God's Word and let God's Word be the standard that helps me to understand how I'm missing truth. Amen? And so the truth is, children are a blessing. But we have to ask ourselves, so then why... Why is it that in our world we think otherwise? Why would some people say, I never want to have children? Why would some people say, do not even ask me to serve in kids' ministry? I will do anything but that. Why would people say, I had one child, but I for sure don't want more than that? (laughs) No, No personal testimonies. Now, that's not to say you have to have children. That's not to say you have to have more than one. We're just talking about a general attitude of us as a culture, as a world, seeing children in a negative way or even in a more extreme way. Why do we as human beings say, I want to abort this baby? In fact, isn't it incredible when you watch the news? Isn't it incredible? If you just sit back and look at it, isn't it incredible how much of the politics of our country is highly driven by the topic of abortion? That's incredible, isn't it? If you were just making a list of things that you thought would be important and that we'd fight for, you know, who would imagine that our country gets fighting mad about the ability to kill our children? Dear God, help us. Amen. And by the way, anytime we talk about these truths, we obviously understand people have made choices that you regret. Thank God for second chances. Amen. Thank God for healing. Thank God for his forgiveness. But as we're looking at his word, trying to understand what what are his ways, we see that this is wrong. Amen. So why would we struggle with the concept of children being a blessing? Write these things down. The first reason, friends, is spiritual warfare. Why is it that abortion would be so important to our society? We have to have that happen. Plain and simple, we need to realize that it is spiritual warfare. Friends, did you know that we have an enemy who hates God? We have an enemy who hates. Doesn't it help sometimes to step back and see the bigger picture, right? And and to realize, I see what's going on here. There is an enemy who hates God. It's not even me that he's after, really. It's God. And everything that God loves and is about, which includes me and you, because he loves us. Amen? We're in his image. We're reminders of the goodness and the greatness and the majesty and the wonder of God. 
We have his fingerprints all over us. That's why the enemy attacks our lives. So this enemy, he wants to kill things. He wants to lie about things. He wants things to be in darkness. He wants to bring harm. He does not want us to see God's truth. Children are a blessing from God to us. But also spiritual warfare for sure. We need to understand, but but the reason we struggle with children being a blessing, to be honest with you, we're selfish. Now, that can be as strong as it sounds if you're here today. If before God you would say, I am, I recognize it. I am a self-focused person. I pray that God would speak to you about that. It may have nothing to do with children. It may just be what God is wanting to work on because that's our biggest problem in life. We need to be dead to self and fully alive. Isn't that what Pastor Jeff was talking about? We need to be dead to self and fully alive to Christ and what he wants to do through our lives. And so we need to recognize that. Now, that statement may not be as harsh as it sounded, but still be true about us. Really, all of us. Listen to the statement. As a sinner, so that includes everybody in this room, until God changes me, I tend to want to do the things that are best for numero uno. Amen? I wake, That's bad Spanish. I wake up in the morning. I do not struggle with thinking about me. It is not that I don't struggle at all. I like me. I agree with me. I, I like all the colors I like. I like all the things I like to eat. I am right. I, this is my world, right? You say, Pastor Rob, you're supposed to be. No, you're the same way. Amen. <laughs> Listen, and children require that we focus on someone else besides me. Don't they? In fact, that's part of the reason. Now, 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 I understand this. That's part of the reason that God has given us marriage and children, if you are married and if you have children. But for all of us, whether you're married or have children or not, for all of us, it's why God put us in families. Whether it's your biological family, whether it's an adopted family, whether it's a church family, everybody, whether married or single, everybody's part of God's family, Right? We're all part, those who've given their their, their lives to Jesus Christ, we're all part of the family of God. And part of the reason that God put us in a family, the Lord has built into our lives, the focus, Robbie, cannot always be on you. In fact, it cannot usually be on you. So why would we not think of children as a blessing? We're we're kind of selfish. But also, isn't it true? I'm going to get this overwhelming. My hair is going to blow back with this again. That's hard to do. I'm going to get this overwhelming amen with this. They take work. (laughs) Amen, brother. Amen. Preach it. That's the best news. That's the best word I ever heard in church. There are some very unselfish people in this room who are parents. There are some very unselfish selfish people in this room who are children's ministry workers. But sometimes, if we're really honest, we have to say, I struggle with the thought that children are a blessing. Amen? Because children, helping children, serving children, teaching children, watching, taking care of children is Work. It may be the hardest work. In fact, there's this mom in this room, probably somewhere, who just is just about to, and she said, "Amen." <laughs> I barely heard him, but that, Amen. It is hard work raising kids. Amen. Honestly, sometimes it's hard to see them as a blessing in those hardest of days, and sometimes good parents struggle with seeing children as a blessing because children don't always respond. They don't always grow up the way that we wanted them to respond. In fact, some of us in this room right now are going through a very difficult time with our kids. I just want to ask our church family just for a moment, just just to pause right here in the middle of the message. Does your heart go out to moms and dads whose kids are not talking to them? who's struggling, who loves their kids, 
who wants the bad. Somehow they're not connecting. Things aren't just matching up or even worse than that. I want to just ask right now, who in this room would say right now, I'll give you permission for the next 10, 20, 30 seconds just to kind of clue out and just to talk to God and say a prayer for those parents. Anybody? You would right now and this week, you will pray for parents in our church who are struggling in their relationship with their child. Anybody? Amen. I just pray. I pray that that parent sees you. Amen. Sees you. Sees. Half the people in this room raised their hand and said, we are here to encourage and to support you. But while that's true and while that's hard and while that's sad, the fact remains it's God's intention that those children be a blessing to our lives, even though sometimes, many times, things are not right right now. They're not what we wish they could be. That's still God's intention. And by the way, if you are that young person, I hope that that thought breaks your heart. I hope that the thought that, listen, listen, I get it. Listen, I know about parents because I are one. Amen? And I know about kids because I are one. And I used to be one. So I remember some of that. I'm a little bit away from it, but I still remember vividly what it's like to be a kid and to feel some of the things that you're feeling. So I get that. It's not just all you. There's some ownership that your parents have, sure. But for you, for your part, would you just say, Dear God, God, you gave me to my parents to be a blessing to the, to the best extent that I can control. I can't control it all. But to the best extent that I can control, am I being that blessing to my parents? And God, if that's not the case, would you help me? Amen? Amen, young people? First Chronicles chapter 4. Verse 10, listen to this out of the New King James Version. And Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted to him what he requested. Listen to that statement again. That I may not cause pain. It should be the desire of the children in this room. It should be the desire of the parents in this room. It should be the desire of everybody in this room that I never want to be the cause of someone's pain. Amen? Write that down. It's not in your notes, but I want you to write that down. I never want to be the cause. Listen, I want to say of somebody else's pain. And you can write that if that's what you intend. But really, I meant for that statement to be, I never want to be the cause of somebody else's pain. I never want to be the cause of my pain. Amen? I don't want to be the cause of anybody's pain. What a great statement for us to think about. I want to be a blessing. I don't want to be harmful to other people. That leads us to the next thing. God says, as a result of this idea that children are so special to Him, that He considers them a blessing that He's granted to us, to as parents, as families, as a church family, as a world... He's given them as a blessing to us. So he says, therefore, children must be treated with great care. Write that down. Children, God says, must be treated with the greatest of care. I'm not going to be honest with you. I'm almost hesitant to overemphasize that statement in some ways. Because so many parents have almost taken this principle to the extreme, to an unhealthy Extreme. In fact, maybe you've heard about helicopter parents. Have you ever heard of helicopter parents? One resource defines those as a style of parenting that is over-focused on their children. They typically take too much responsibility for their children's experiences, and specifically, they take too much responsibility for their children's successes and failures. It means being involved in a child's life in a way that is over-controlling, Overprotecting and overperfecting in a way that is in excess of responsible parenting. In other words, helicopter parents are parents who hover around their kids all the time. This week, I read in USA Today that there is a new term called lawnmower parenting. So, what is that, Pastor? Well, apparently, these are parents whose goal is to mow down all of their children's challenges, discomforts, and struggles. The article says that the problem is not a parent's willingness 
to help their child succeed. That's admirable and understandable for a good parent. The problem comes from a parent's repeated efforts to eliminate any and all struggle so that the children are ill-equipped when they grow up and when life inevitably goes sideways. So a lawnmower parent is trying to mow down any obstacles, any struggles that their child might have because they don't want them to face those struggles. As we're talking about treating children with great care, there might be some helicopter parents in this room. There might be some lawnmower parents. And by the way, if you are one of those, you probably are well-meaning in that. I love my kids. I don't want to see my kids get hurt. I care about them. No one doubts that. But that is not what we're talking about here. We are not talking about overprotective parents. Would you write this down? Would you consider this? Am I a helicopter parent? Am I, in some ways, a lawnmower parent? But having acknowledged that extreme, that's not what God is saying. The Bible does say that children are super important to God, and friends, they should be treated with great care. Matthew 18, verses 1 through 6. Listen to these words from Jesus. It says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus and said, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a child to himself and set him before them. And said, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. We need to stop right there for just a minute. Wow, I cannot go to heaven unless in some way that must be important, I become like a child. Wow, amen. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Wow. There's a passage in Matthew 25. It talks about ministering to the least of these in our world. To those who are hurting. To those who are vulnerable. To those who can't take up for themselves. To those who need help from others who have the opportunity to help with that. And Jesus says, when you minister to them, you are ministering to me. Wow. That's why that sits in my head and in my heart. As, okay, God, how am I, how are we as a church going to continue growing and ministering to people in those situations. Amen? Amen. We must. Amen? But Jesus puts the children in that category. They are innocent. They are vulnerable. Sometimes they can't do for themselves, and we are in a position where we can do for them. He says, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Wow! That speaks about a lot. That speaks about children's ministry. That speaks about parenting. That speaks about fostering or adopting. That speaks about our church family. Amen? There are are some churches who their idea about kids are, would somebody please get control of these snotty-nosed kids and do something with them? Dear God, help us. Listen, children are a challenge. Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean. Proverbs 14, 4. But much revenue comes from the strength of the ox. I did a message on that one time for our church family, and it was called, It's Worth the Trouble. It is trouble. You're trouble too. I'm trouble too. Amen? We're all trouble. The children just can't take up and say, no, I'm not. You are. We can do that as adults. We can argue back, but the kids can't do that. Jesus says, Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone. This is talking about a millstone that would grind grain. That top millstone that would crush the grain. Hundreds of pounds. It would be better for you to have that hung around your neck and thrown into the ocean. Wow, those are powerful words. Amen? Every time... I read these words in Matthew 18. They amaze me. Think about what Jesus is saying. The disciples say, Jesus, who's the greatest in the kingdom? Now, I always want to get benefit of the doubt. And I want to think, you know, maybe they were being honest. Maybe they were just saying, Jesus, 
We want to be great in your eyes. What does it take to be great? What does it mean to be great? Maybe that's what they meant, but I'm probably giving way too much benefit of the doubt. Because there's other occasions where they argued about who is the greatest. You're not. No, I am. No, I am. I'm going to have this special place in the kingdom. No, I'm going to have this special. God, can Jesus, will you give me a special place in the kingdom? So we know that the disciples struggle with this. They probably weren't as pure in their intentions as maybe I'm giving them credit for. They said, Jesus, tell us, who is great in your sight? And then Jesus does something that would have floored them all. He calls a child over and sets that child before him. And he spoke the words that we just said. Those verses tell us two very important things. As I said just a moment ago, verses 1 through 4 tell us, Jesus says, we must become like them. There is something about children that we must emulate in order to even get to have a relationship with God. This would have been shocking in a Greek culture that was so sophisticated in their knowledge and in their wisdom and in their pursuit of understanding of the deeper meaning of life. (laughs) Oh, please, a child? This would have been shocking to Jewish people who had been taught, you have to follow standards to the minutest detail in order for God to maybe pay attention to you. And some of us have heard that in church. And can I just be very straight with you? That is not the truth. The truth is not that you must measure up to this standard in order for God to maybe pay attention to you and maybe let you in. And you won't know till the day you die. That is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches by grace through faith that we're saved. We trust in what Christ did for us on the cross. And he was buried. He's not on that cross because he rose again. He has life. He has power over the grave and over sin and death. And he says, if you'll trust in me, it's a free gift. If you'll trust in me, I will grant you eternal life. It's amazing, isn't it? It is absolutely amazing. But it's hard for those experienced, sophisticated adults to hear that message. Jesus says you must be converted to something. Something that is humble. Something that is trusting. Someone who is obedient. It's hard for us to receive that, isn't it? For us adults who've experienced so much in life. And because of that experience, you might say, there's no way. There's no way. That that, that can't be true. That's just, that's too simplistic. I've been around the block. This ain't my first rodeo. That's just too simple. That can't be I've done so much wrong. How could it just be that I would humble myself like a child and God would receive me? But that is the truth. Amen? The Bible calls it good news and it is. Amen? Or maybe some of us think that we're sophisticated. We've, we, we're, that's, we're more advanced in our thinking. God is more complicated. God is more complex than that. You're reducing it down to all I've got to do is trust Him like a child. Well, certainly God is bigger than that basic understanding. There's a whole book about Him, and we'll spend eternity getting to know Him. And we'll never get to the bottom of who He is. Amen? So no, we're not trying to oversimplify God. But thank God that God simplified the message that any person in any culture of any age who has an age of understanding and and is able to hear that message, understand it, and respond to it, no matter who you are, you can be a child of God. We need to be like the children, amen? That makes us uncomfortable. And I believe it's intentional. God wants us to be uncomfortable with that thought. I need to humble myself and trust God in obedience. But then Jesus says, we must treat the children with great care. And that's really our focus for right now. Jesus said in verse 5 and 6, we must receive the children. In Matthew 19, just one more chapter later, he says we must allow the children to come to him. Listen to what Jesus is saying. This is so powerful. I am working in these precious young lives. Help that. Fan that. Encourage that. Support that. Lead that. Teach that. Assist that. I'm at work. Help them as families and as a church family. We should assist children in coming to God 
and finding and fulfilling the purpose that he created their lives for. Amen? That should have been a big amen. I think you're just thinking. So stop the thought process and just give me an amen. Amen. Now that's the positive, but there's a negative. And don't cause them to stumble. Don't cause them to trip up. Friends, I want to share three very important thoughts or implications from what Jesus says here. Write this down. Number one, I better watch how I influence my kids. I better be serious about that. I better watch. There's some children that are learning. And they're primarily learning. They're primarily, most of the time, they're with me and with Shannon. And so I need to take that very seriously. Secondly, I better watch how I influence any kids. I, I better watch how I influence your kids. I, I better watch how I influence kids at Walmart, kids at, the, at, at school or at the baseball game or at the restaurant. I need to be careful. Or at church. Number three, I better watch how I influence anyone that God is working in. Because God says when, when they've received me, when they've given their life, they're my children. Be very careful that you don't cause them to stumble. Listen to me very carefully. There are quite a few Christians who believe they are free to do some things. But they don't realize that whether they are free or not, they are influencing some children and others who will later do the same thing and not be free. And we need to think about that. There are quite a few Christians who are dabbling around with following God. They're, they're not taking following God seriously. And if that's you, you're sitting there, is it a big deal? I mean, I know I should follow God. I know I should, you know, be involved in His work more. I know, but is it really that big of a deal? I mean, you know, I know there's kind of this A-plus Christianity. I think I'll take the C-plus. That's what I was in school anyway. So I'll take the C-plus version. I'm not really going for the A-plus, but more power to you. If that's what you're going for, I didn't want to be valedictorian. You can be that for Jesus. Well, again, whether that's true or not, there's somebody watching you. There's a lot of little eyes watching you. And if I am not serious about walking with God, they're going to see that. I'm going to tell you what. It helps my walk with God. That Shannon's watching me. It helps my walk with God. That Hannah, Josh, Lindsay, and Drew are watching me. It helps my walk with God that all of you, please don't be put pressure on me, okay? But, but, but I'm just acknowledging that I realize that I have an impact on your life. That helps me. Amen? We should not do anything to hurt children or God's work in them. And we should not do anything to hurt God's work in anybody. Friends, I want to tell you, this is a powerful principle for your life. There may be some things that you are perfectly able to do that are not sinning against God. Some of those things sometimes I think we make a case for that maybe not, but we make a case for as Christians. But even if you can make a case that you feel free to do certain things, you need to ask yourself, but if someone else... I'm not saying we have to live a perfect life you know, that's why I just said, give me some grace because I'm going to mess up. But we should live in such a way as how is my life impacting the people watching me? Not in a pressure way, but in a responsible way. Amen? The last thing is this. Children need to be trained. They're meant to be trained. Children are important to God. And He expects us to train them. I remember about 10 years ago, we were right in the middle of raising kids, and we still are. But I mean, it was just like all the kids were, you know, right that age of, of, of growing up and impact. And, and I remember just, you know, sometimes, you know, as a parent, it gets frustrating, right? You just feel like you're saying, don't do this and don't do that. And why do you do this? And I just kind of got in that negative, just sort of, oh, why can't everything just be okay, right? And all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me. Robbie, what are you here for? They're little people. They don't know things. What's your excuse? <laughs> you know what's really helped me through the years? You know what's really helped me through the years? Is noticing something in someone else, maybe my kids or someone else, and realize, especially when it involves children, I'm 46. 
I still struggle with that. That's why it annoys me, because I struggle with that, right? And I don't want them to struggle with that. But look, you got 30 years on them. At least give them five, amen, (laughs) to grow. God began to speak to me, Robbie, you're not fighting to get things right. You're training little people. You and Shannon, you're, you're personal trainers. Listen to the statement. God put kids in our home so that we could train them how to become mature, responsible adults who honor God and fulfill His purpose for their lives. In fact, maybe that's, we could call it the purpose of parenting. Write it down. The purpose of parenting is to train children how to become mature, responsible adults who honor God and fulfill His purpose for their lives. Now I want to make a statement here. I want want to to clarify something. Many of us have half of this statement. Many of us are just trying to be good citizens, are just trying to be good people, are just trying to be good parents. You think that the first half of that is your responsibility. The purpose of parenting is to train children how to become mature, responsible adults. That's not enough. Okay? Just teaching your kid how to get a job, how to manage money, picking the right spouse or, or someone to you know, share their life with their spouse, uh, making wise decisions. All those things are important, and they're part of it, but that's not it. What you're really wanting to do is to teach them to honor God and for them to be able to fulfill the reason He created their life. Amen? Wow, and some of you are saying... Man, it's harder than I thought. Amen. Amen? Some of you are like, I was just trying. I was trying to do my best. I was just trying to make a mature, responsible adult. Good. Keep going with that. But add to it who honor God and fulfill the purpose He has for their lives. Two things I want to emphasize in terms of this importance of training. First of all, God trains His kids. We need to pay attention to how God deals with us as His kids. All of us, do you realize there are adopted children? We were not part of... God created us to be part of His family, but because we're sinners, we've been separated from God from birth. We're separated from God. And God is willing to adopt us into His family if we trust in Him. Praise the Lord. Amen. And when we come into His family over and over again, He says, okay, welcome. We're back from the hospital That was wonderful. Now it's time to grow up. (laughs) Let's get going. Let's start learning. Amen? What does it mean to walk with me? What does it mean to have a relationship? Welcome to the rest of your life. Amen? Everyone in this room either needs to give your life to Christ or needs to continue growing in Christ if you've given your life to Him. So I'm growing, you're growing, we're all growing. That's what God's kids do. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, God shows us the pattern. The things which you have heard from me, Paul says to Timothy, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men, to others, who will be able to teach others also. How many generations is that? Four. <clears throat> he said, Paul says, I, Paul, taught you, Timothy. You teach some others. And you teach them in such a way that they'll be able to teach others. It's actually four plus, right? It's more than four. Now that four is just opening up thousands of generations of God's kids growing in Him. Listen to this statement. God is in the business of personal training. It's called discipleship. That's the word that that we use as Christians. You're becoming a disciple. You are a disciple. You're growing as a disciple. And then, secondly, God tells us to train the ones He's given to us. So you kind of get that picture. I'm a child of God. God trained some others. They've been training me. Now I train my kids in such a way that they can train and disciple others. Amen? Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. The Bible says that's what we should do as parents. We should be personal trainers for our kids. This is going to be the focus for the next few weeks together. How do we as parents train our kids? We're going to focus on the parents for a few weeks, teaching parents how to train their kids 
Then we're going to have a message about our responsibility as a church. It's primarily the responsibility of the parents. But as the family of God, we have a responsibility to partner with the parents to train those kids. And as I said at the beginning, hopefully, as we walk through this together, we'll have parents who are becoming better trainers. We'll have kids who are becoming better trainees. We'll be learning as a church how to love kids, how to minister to kids, how to serve kids, how to come alongside parents, whether we have children or not. We all have children. If you're in this church family, you have children. Amen? I hope you feel that way. In some sense, my kids are your kids. You're their aunts and uncles and grandparents and cousins. Amen? And you're helping me to train them. Thank you so much. And we're also, as I said, we're learning how God sees kids. So we're going to be learning how God sees us as his kids. And some of us who don't even have kids are going to grow in our relationship with God because we're receiving from the Lord his teaching to us as, his, as our father. Amen? Amen. You know, anytime we do a message or a series like this, Inevitably, people feel like this. Now listen, I always want to cut the enemy off at the pass, okay? Because he loves to lie to us. So somebody sits here right now, and you're hearing this voice inside of you. Well, you blew that. Too late now, your kid's grown up. Or, man, you should have started this five years ago. You are way behind. Amen? Anybody? Or oh me? He loves to tell us what a failure we are. Now, if there's any truth that I need to receive from God, that I need to grow, that we need to improve things, that things aren't where they need to be, I need to receive that from the Lord. Amen? But God is not saying, so give up. So you blew it. So it's over. That is, God never says that. God says, will you trust me from this point forward? And by the way, there's this amazing thing called grace that can do more than you ever imagine. He's done it before in your life. He's done it in some of the people in this room's lives, many. And we just sang it. I believe he's going to do it again. Amen? That's really what it comes down to, isn't it? Will we trust Him? With that in mind, I want you to bow your heads and consider that thought, whatever that means for you right this moment. Will I trust you, Lord? What is God calling you to trust Him with right now? Obviously, if there's any parents in the room who are overwhelmed, you're outmanned, you're outnumbered, those, those little kids are taking over the house and, and it's happening quick and I need some help. Would you cry out to God right now and say, God, I need you. God, I cannot do this. Don't feel like a failure. How would you know unless you were trained? So we want to help you as God's family. The problem with life is we get it going before we get the training, don't we, many times. So you're going to have to ask the Lord, God, would you help me? Would you meet me where we are? God, would you clean up this mess that I've made? Maybe it's not you, parent. Maybe it's, maybe it's your child. Maybe, honestly, you just cannot get through. You've tried. You've loved. You've prayed. Would you just say, God, I'm believing you that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I will see my children come back to me. I will have a relationship by faith, by God's grace. Would you trust the Lord for that? And would you say, Lord, I need you to work on my son. Just say their name to the Lord right now. I need you to work on, put the, fill in the blank. I need you to speak to him. I need you to speak to her, God. I can't change their heart. But I pray that you would show him you would show her 
that I really love him. And I want what's best for him. And I'm just trying to be your servant in her life. Would you give your child to the Lord now? He, he entrusted that child to you. But maybe you grabbed on too tight and you're going to have to give them back. Say, God, they were never mine in the first place. I give them back to you and I ask you to help me. God, would you teach us over the next few weeks? God, would you do a miracle in somebody's life? God, I pray that you would touch a parent, that they would humble themselves and ask for forgiveness with their kids if that's necessary. I pray for some young people in this room. And Lord, I know it's hard growing up and figuring things out. Sometimes parents don't quite understand. But Lord, I pray that they would see that their parents are, are just like them. They're just a little bit older and they're trying to learn. And that they would give their parents some grace. And that they would work with them, Lord. Help us. God, would you restore families over these next few weeks, starting today. And Lord, I pray if there's somebody in this room that is not in your family right now because they've been separated by sin. But they know they need you and they want you to be their Heavenly Father. Would they cry out to you right now and say, Dear God, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for loving me even when I didn't know I needed your work to be done in my life. Jesus, I invite you to come into my life to wash my sins away. I want to be a child of God. God, I thank you that your word says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And Lord, if there's anybody else here who's made that decision, but they need to be baptized and go public. I'm not ashamed. I am a child of God. Are there steps they need to take in that journey of growing in you? God, I pray that they would say, God, I'm scared. I'm nervous. I don't know what to do, but I'll trust you. You've worked in my life before. I know that you'll do it again. Help me, Lord. Father, this is our earnest prayer. We ask you to help us in Jesus' name. Amen.